Hi, my name is Thies Hetzert and welcome to a new episode of my podcast series Yellow Gap, in which I'm talking to alumni entrepreneurs from Erasmus University Rotterdam to find out what drives their entrepreneurial mindsets. I feel proud to be a student ambassador for Erasmus Enterprise, the community of entrepreneurs and innovators at the Erasmus University Rotterdam campus. Hi, welcome to a new episode of my podcast series. Today, I have the privilege of talking to Igor Bellos, who is founder of Belgrade Language School. Belgrade Language School was founded uh, in 2020 with the idea to connect people who believe that the Serbian language is important. Furthermore, uh, Igor is an alumni from the Strategic Entrepreneurship Master Program. So I'm really looking forward to exploring your entrepreneurial mindset, Igor, and uh, welcome to my show. Well, Tiz, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Great. So as a starter, I'd be uh, curious to learn um, more about your own personal background. So perhaps you can sketch where you grew up and what your childhood looked like. And... Uh, yeah, sure. So I grew up in a little town called Gosau, which is uh, situated in Switzerland in the canton of St. Gallen. So that's around one hour uh, away from Zurich. Uh, St. Gallen is pretty famous for its own university. So I'm sure you and probably most of the listeners uh, know about it. Um, yeah, I grew up there, um, went to do my bachelor's degree in Zurich, uh, where I did like a double degree in psychology and business. And after that, um, yeah, I applied for the master's in uh, at RSM directly and uh, came to do my master's there. Cool. And why did you have this uh, combination between psychology and business? Uh, well, in Zurich, studying psychology required you to have uh, a second uh, subject as well. And so I chose business. And for me specifically, it was because uh, I really liked psychology and I really wanted to study psychology but I didn't want to become a therapist. Uh, so I really figured I wanted to go more into the space of business uh, mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't have, you know, back at that time, I didn't know I wanted to become an entrepreneur or study entrepreneurship at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it was more something that just developed over time. Okay, clear. Why did you have this uh, curiosity in psychology? Uh, I, don't, I don't even know, it was just, after my time at high school, mm -hmm. I figured it was the thing that interested me the most. Mm -hmm. uh, I was reading some literature uh, about psychology at that time, and it just drew me in. Mm -hmm. Which which books were you reading? I was reading some uh, Freud at that time, mm -hmm. which is which is by the way not at all what you do when you study psychology. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But still. Yes. Cool. So you, um, yeah, you. You went to do your uh, master studies in 2018, 2019 at the Rosmus University. Exactly. Um, why did you sort of decide after your bachelor studies to pursue a master's degree in the first place? And uh, why at Rosmus University? Uh, so I wanted to do a master's degree because in Switzerland, when you finish after bachelor's, it's like you didn't finish university. It's kind of... I'd say required to do. Um, and then the other reason, so why I found RSM was, there's a couple of reasons, but mostly because, so first I wanted to study entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and RSM was 
I think, I think they had the, they were the number one ranked entrepreneurship program uh, in Europe at that time. And um, I wanted to do it abroad. So I didn't want to stay in Switzerland. I want to have the experience of studying in a different country. Uh, so I was comparing uh, Rotterdam, London, Paris, uh, Madrid, uh, Copenhagen. And um, the thing that definitely helped was that the master at RSM was a lot more accessible to me because all the other programs were a lot more expensive. Um, and yeah, I think RSM really does a great job in helping people um, who are not able to, you know, spend dozens of thousands of euros uh, for, for studying one year. Mm -hmm. Okay, clear. Um, and, and why did you, why do you believe sort of in this, in this combination between scientific thinking and entrepreneurship? Um, because both are important mm -hmm. if you want to be successful, I say, mm -hmm. um, or at least if you want to reduce the risk mm -hmm. uh, when you do entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So entrepreneurship is kind of uh, very messy and um, it's really hard to, you know, develop a proper strategy or to uh, organize yourself properly um, so, so that you can, you know, keep the overview over things because you're, you're in so many sides, you're doing so many things um, at the same time. So it can happen very quickly that you lose focus, but yeah. And then having the mindset and having the background, like the scientific background uh, of knowing how to test things and knowing what to believe or what not to believe, um, how to measure things is incredibly helpful. Right. Oh, clear. And, and when you look back at your studies, what, what have been sort of your key highlights of, of the master's program? Um, there were many, there were really many. But mo like all of them are tied to um, things we had to do, like group assignments we had to do um, that were uh, related to like leaving the building and going out to the streets and testing things. Um, and that was probably uh, the best thing to me mm -hmm. um, studying at RSM because everything was like, it was really practical. Mm -hmm. And each month we would have, we would get an assignment that would force us to really go out, try to find customers, try to do some problem validation with them, interview people, meet people, and just be close to your uh, users or your customers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all of these things were incredibly uncomfortable mm -hmm. because when you, get the, when you get the task that you have to contact 30 or 40 people um, who you don't know and then ask them to, you know, have an interview with them you probably know <laughs> yes um yeah it's a very uncomfortable thing mm -hmm. but at the same time you grow a lot and you learn a lot while doing it right yeah i can totally recognize that as well for <laughs> me it's also a huge step of my out of my comfort zone which is actually the reason why i like it so much because you, you definitely have to interact with the customers and potential users um what what do you think of like the group work um, what did you learn from there, working in a group? Group work. You know, one of the, one of the things I like most about RSM uh, were the people. Mm -hmm. um, so you're put into groups with, to me, some incredibly smart people and some of the smartest pre people probably from all around the world. Um, people who have a lot of experience in their field and 
um, when I was there, most, most of the other students, I mean, I was just like a student who came straight after I finished my bachelor. But most other students uh, had already some work experience. They already had experience uh, leading people or were already entrepreneurs. And so working with all of them was to me a very uh, enriching experience because I was able to learn a lot from them and from their mindset as well. So what did you learn about yourself um, during that group work? What I learned about myself is that I'm really good at working in groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had this one, we had this uh, one assignment where we had to analyze different personalities mm -hmm. in our group. I don't remember what, uh, what month, I think it was like the second month or the third one. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurial skill set, I think. Yes, yes, that's it. That's it. And what at first sounded like it was really annoying, like uh, analyzing everything from like kind of a psychological um, you know, perspective. Uh, turned out to be really interesting because uh, I found out that somehow groups just tend to work better when I'm just there. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like kind of facilitated role. And that was super interesting to me. Apart from that, that like, I'm, not, I'm not at all able to work with, for example, very authoritative uh, people. So mm -hmm. people who like to be the boss and who like to show that they're the boss. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not at all that type of person. No. And yeah, just a lot of things like that. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And um, yeah, then, sorry for putting you on the spot for this one, but uh, you've yeah. writ written your thesis about uh, sort of team composition as well, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it was um, personality and new venture creation. Mm -hmm. So what kind of effect certain personality traits have on the, on the probability of creating a new venture? Okay, interesting. After your master's studies, you began. You founded uh, Belgrade Language School. Exactly. Um, can you please describe how you've come to found uh, Belgrade Language School? Yeah, sure. Um, so the whole idea came when I was, I don't know, around 18, 19. Um, so first, Belgrade Language School is like, we're basically just a language school that offers Serbian lessons uh, to people from all around the world. So it's nothing um incredibly innovative uh, or different um the thing comes more from the background that i myself um i'm originally bosnian so i used to speak serbian at home with my parents um basically for all my life but still growing up in switzerland i kind of <clears throat> had a hard time to learn to speak my mother tongue properly and i would always mix it up with german words or make mistakes in the grammar mm -hmm. Um, and so at some point I figured it would be a really good thing to do uh, to try and improve uh, my mother tongue and my language skills mm -hmm. um, because I would do it like I would do it for English I would do it for French I would do it for German like basically every other language mm -hmm. but I never thought of it from the aspect that the, your mother tongue is also really important and like being able to to speak it properly um, is, is very valuable so yeah, when I was 18, 19, uh, I started looking for resources on how, how I could learn Serbian. And I really saw that there wasn't much around, uh, even not here in, in Serbia. That was uh, incredible um, to see for me. I found like, I don't know, two or three language schools that would offer it to foreigners. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I came here to learn it, but my experience wasn't incredibly good. Mm -hmm. um, and so I figured it would be an interesting thing to, to try and start it and to try and do it in, in a very, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. Okay, clear. And you are co-founder, right? You, you founded this exactly. with, uh, can you please describe with whom you have you founded this? Oh yeah, uh, her name is Emilia. And she's my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, okay. She is she is from Belgrade, from Serbia. So that helps helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, clear. Um, and what what kind of background does she have? Also business or? Uh, no, she's a teacher. Oh, okay. Actually. So uh, Emma finished uh, Spanish. She's a master in Spanish language and then literature mm -hmm. from the university in Belgrade. Mm -hmm. But she has been teaching English and Serbian as well for many years and um, for me it was kind of a logical thing because I myself I don't have any experience in teaching and mm -hmm. uh, teaching a language at all and my Serbian even though it is really good right now it's still not a at the level that I I can say I can teach it to other people mm -hmm. um, and so I needed somebody who had this experience as well and who had this knowledge and who could assist me in everything that was related to um, to the teaching, right? Okay, interesting. Um, and in um, yeah, d during your um, bachelor studies, you did an exchange also in in Belgrade, also to get back to your to your roots, right? Exactly. Why did you have this inclination of, of going back to your roots? And yeah, how would you describe this sort of sense of identity, the Serbian culture? Uh, I think. Most probably everyone who has parents who originate from somewhere else, but who was born in another country probably has a feeling of having kind of two identities. Mm -hmm. um, so I consider myself absolutely Swiss, um, born and raised in Switzerland. It's like super natural for me and Switzerland is my home. Mm -hmm. um, but still having both parents from uh, who came from Bosnia and like, uh, having spoken a different language at home for all my life and having gone to Bosnia like pretty much every year for a couple of weeks. Um, it's just this second identity that I have and I'm super grateful that I have it because it's like a completely different world um, that opens up when you have that. When you have that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the whole the whole I would say ex Yugoslav culture mm -hmm. to me feels also like uh, like home. Mm -hmm. And when I came to Belgrade to study for the first time, it was actually the first time, no, like the second time I came to Belgrade. Um, the first time being when I went to that language school. And I remember when I, when I came here for the first time, it was just, I arrived, I walked around in the city, I heard my mother tongue um, being spoken everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I just really felt at home as well. And it was an over, really overwhelming experience for me to be actually at a completely different space and at a, in a completely different country, but still have that feeling of feeling absolutely at home. Um, and so I really wanted to get to know my roots better. And um, yeah, and that's why it kind of always drew me uh, to get back here as well. 
So first time was like for a month when I came to to learn Serbian a bit. Mm-hmm. And then the second time was for a semester when I came here to study. Mm-hmm. And then the third time is probably now when I started a business here. Yes. Oh, clear. Um, and, and how would you sort of describe this uh, Serbian uh, culture? Like what, how would you describe um, the typical Serbian? Very guest friendly and very social. So that's really some, something that everybody um, pretty much immediately notices when they come here to mm-hmm. Serbia or the Balkan, the Balkan region in general mm-hmm. is that everybody's really open. Everybody's really friendly and people like to socialize they like to go out um and it's just something that really you know makes you feel great when you're here mm-hmm. clear and and there's this uh serbian concept uh i hope i can pronounce it right but it's called inot <laughs> do, <Okay>. you, <laughs> do you get what i mean yeah okay like uh inot how, is... did you, how, how did you come up with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh I, I I looked it up on Google, on Google. So I was doing some task research uh, about uh, about Serbia, uh, and okay. I found this uh, concept, um, and I found it quite <laughs> interesting because it's it's sort of the idea of doing something precisely because you have been told you can't. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do do you have an idea where this concept comes from, and and do you also recognize this in yourself? Hmm. That's a hard question. <laughs> um, it most probably comes from the fact that the whole Balkan region, like basically forever, was always part of some kind of political conflict. Mm-hmm. And um, people are used to being able to fight for their rights and to fight for themselves. And they're used to having politicians who don't care about them and used to have used to having people tell them to do things, even though they know those things are maybe wrong or maybe not the best thing to do. Um, so um, you really get the feeling that most of the people here uh, are in a constant fight for uh, being able to lead like just a proper life. Um, and then that constant fight gives you that certain enough Mm-hmm. um that is really really typical here mm-hmm. like um it happens often that for example somebody tells to someone else uh oh why don't you do this and this or give some kind of suggestions and then they go like ah um who do you think you are to tell me i have to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i would say that is probably maybe some kind of explanation but i don't know <laughs> Okay, clear. And and I mean, you you talked also about your sort of group work and your attitude in a group and your this this idea, philosophy which you have that um, you know you don't like authoritarian uh, figures, right? Yeah. Do you think that also sort of links back to that concept? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I wouldn't say I'm really like a, a person that has like a developed peanut. <laughs> Um, I'm really not, uh, but it could be. Okay. Um, then you founded this Belgrade uh, lang- language school. Um, so oh, yeah. how did you sort of approach your product market fit? Um, yeah, like in the beginning, I tried to do some customer validation first. Mm-hmm. So since I couldn't find any proper language school that focused on teaching Serbian, 
Um, there were two reasons why that was the case. The first reason is because nobody saw the potential. The second reason was because it wasn't needed. And that's kind of the problem that you have uh, whenever you try to do something that is innovative, that isn't there. Um, you kind of have to find out whether uh, it's, it's not available in the market because it hasn't been found yet or because it's pretty much unnecessary. Um, so I started with some problem validation. I tried to, I tried to uh, speak to some of my friends uh, in Switzerland who also were of ex-Yugoslav origin, sorry, but born and raised also in Switzerland. Um, I tried to talk to them and see if uh, they had the same experience as I did. And interestingly, that turned out to be not the case. Uh, most of my friends told me, yeah, they don't care that they don't speak the language properly. And so to me, I was then at the point where I had to decide whether I would just trust my gut feeling or go with, I'll say, the evidence that I collected from the market, which um, also wasn't representative when I look at it from uh, my current standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I went for the gut feeling and um, I started by creating a website first and uh, giving people the opportunity to sign up Mm -hmm. uh, to our newsletter and like pretty much the, the basic lean startup principle that you can find in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, interesting. Who was sort of your first customer? Our first customer, uh, was a girl, uh, who was Australian or who is Australian. And, um, she had a partner or a boyfriend who was Serbian and she wanted to learn to speak Serbian to be able to speak to his family. Mm -hmm. And she's still our student. And we love her. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it turned out to be that most of our, most of our students are uh, of, a, of a similar background as her. Mm -hmm. So people who have a Serbian partner um, and want to just be able to speak to the family of that partner. Oh, interesting. So you, yeah. you really sort of uh, start to see some patterns in your uh, oh, customers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And how does that um, also affect your uh, business model? Um, how do you market yourself? Um, do you position yourself more into that phase? Or? Uh, yeah, well, at first it was difficult to find out because in the beginning you don't know who your customer is really. Mm -hmm. Even though we knew, yeah, it's people who want to learn Serbian, but you don't know more about them. No. And with time, it just kind of crystallizes and starts to show. So right now we have pretty much two customer segments. One is that one, so partners, um, people who have a Serbian partner and don't want to get closer to his or her family. And the second one is uh, people who have uh, Serbian origin, but never got to learn the language properly. Mm. So mo most of the people are, most of these people are also beginners or people who really do not speak the language well. Um, and then we have some few who already know, um, who have already have quite a, quite a, an advanced level of the language um, and then just want to perfect it as, as I did back at the time. Right. Okay. Clear. Nice. And, um, like also a follow-up question is how do you sort of measure the health of your business? Like what KPIs are you tracking to, you know, 
what what are you sort of dashboarding? Uh, so what we're looking at is pretty much how many new customers we get each month, um, our churn rate, like how many customers uh, stay or how many customers leave, um, and also uh, we look at the marketing spending that we have and yeah look at the earnings like the net income that we have per customer and then if that adds up it's it's a healthy business <laughs> <laughs> okay clear all right nice um and and what has sort of the, the, the impact of covid been on your your business it's been huge uh because we started belgrade language school in february 2020 so basically i moved to Belgrade two weeks before quarantine hit, mm-hmm. and it was a it was quite it was quite a hard time because our first initial plan was to open a physical language school here in Belgrade mm-hmm. and be more like a summer school so that people can come here, travel to Serbia, um, get to know the city, get to know the country, go out, have fun, meet people, and learn the language, of course. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the main concept in the beginning. Uh, and since COVID was absolutely new, nobody knew what to expect Mm -hmm. uh, from it. And in the beginning, we really thought it was just going to be like two weeks or three weeks, and then things are going to go back to normal again. Mm -hmm. So it didn't give us the chance to plan things ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, and we continued with our main plan up until up until around May, I think. And then in May, it was clear to us that people aren't going to be able to travel at all and that we had to pivot mm-hmm. strongly <laughs> mm-hmm. and try to do something else. Yes. And yeah. And then the, the next best thing to do was to try and do everything online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do everything on Zoom right now. Okay, clear. And um, can you also tell me a bit about your your team? So, uh, how many people are working there in total? I think five, right? Oh uh, no, currently we're four. Four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we started off just Emma and me in the beginning. Uh, Emma would do the teaching. I would do uh, more the business related things. And um, yeah, with time we started growing. So after around three months, three to four months, around August, I think, September, uh, we hired our first uh, teacher. Her name is Maria and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then Maria, Maria has been with us um, all the way until I think it was January mm-hmm. uh, when we um, had to hire another one, which was Marina. Marina is amazing as well. Um, so right now we're a team of four, mm-hmm. uh, two teachers, Emma, who is now the teaching, uh, and learning coordinator and myself, and I still do all the business related, uh, tasks. Oh, okay. Nice. What are your future ambitions with, uh, with your company? So we definitely want to continue, uh, growing in the same way that we have until now, but the next, uh, big thing will be, uh, we want to la- launch our own platform. Uh, for online learning 
where people can sign up and interact with each other, learn together, um, learn at their own pace. So have online courses. Um, yeah, so that's what we're working on right now. And it's most probably going to be released in like probably around three months, uh, around June, July. Oh, cool, cool, nice. And, and then we'll see uh, how the situation with COVID develops, of course. Yeah, exactly. So like, how far do you look ahead in time? Not so far anymore. <laughs> no, I can't right imagine. now it's around probably around six months, six months ahead. So I, I don't plan much further than that because no, okay. things change so quickly uh, nowadays that just planning so much ahead uh, doesn't do you any good. Right. right. Yeah, clear. And, and um, wh what brings you the greatest satisfaction to your job? Um, seeing what impact you have on other people's lives mm -hmm. to me because only one year ago um, this whole thing was just an idea so we had nothing and now one year later we're a team of four people uh, so we basically created uh, three jobs extra uh, we have around 50 students right now who have access to um, regular and good, good quality Serbian lessons. Um, and I feel just seeing something, seeing something created that wasn't there before is incredibly satisfying. Right. Yeah, clear. I can imagine. And what, what would be your sort of key pieces of advice for students who are contemplating entrepreneurship? Well, the biggest piece of advice is just to start. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest step is, you know, to take that first leap of faith and just start. Mm -hmm. um, because you can't, you can't plan any of the challenges that you have afterwards um, aren't just aren't planable. It's you really have to start um, and then be able to adapt and start solving all the all these random problems that you have. So the first the first piece of advice is just Start, go ahead, trust in yourself. And the second one is persevere, <laughs> continue because it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Um, you'll have, you'll be faced with so many different problems. And it's, it's sometimes you, you start to wonder if it's all worth it. Um, but just if you follow through and persevere, uh, you'll see with time that it absolutely is and that you are able to create something. Uh, something new and something that will be amazing. Mm -hmm. So trust in yourself. Cool, great. And who have been your um, biggest personal mentors? Um, probably my parents, mm -hmm. <laughs> because my parents are entrepreneurs as well. Um, apart from them, uh, different people uh, who have studied with me, who have also started their own businesses. Um, I've been in contact with them and we've been sharing, uh, sharing our obstacles and sharing our paths with each other. Interesting. And that has definitely helped me also a lot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and can you also please describe about sort of the, the work-life balance? What's your perspective on how you keep those balanced? Yes. Uh, so I think in general, um, starting your own business is, uh, it, when you start your own business, it's kind of hard to have like a work-life balance 
because you're working for yourself and um, you're also doing something that you love doing. And then it also doesn't necessarily feel like work. Uh, but then with time, you kind of notice that you end up working all the time, uh, which isn't very healthy. Um, and I think especially now during, uh, during COVID and during the whole uh, quarantine and the measures, it's especially hard to have some kind of work-life balance. Um, because when you stay all the time at home, um, and you're not able to go out, you're not able to meet friends, you're not able to do the sport that you do, um, it can be an incredible challenge. Mm -hmm. And I also figured with time that while it's okay to do for a couple of months probably or for a certain period of time for yourself, um, at some point you will notice that uh, it is necessary. It's necessary to be able to speak to friends, to be able to meet new people, to be able to go out um, to do sports and all of these things. Um, mm -hmm. so that will maybe be also one, uh, mm -hmm. one piece of advice is to really try and don't forget about that balance and really force yourself. And this is very important. Force yourself to be not productive during a couple of hours a day. So force yourself, for example, if you say in the evening after 7 p.m., I do not work and I don't do anything that is productive. So listen to music, play some music, play sports, uh, talk to somebody, um, just give your, give your mind some peace and give your mind some rest. Um, at the first, it might feel like you're just being unproductive and you're just being lazy. Um, but with time, you'll notice that in the long term, it's, it's super healthy and uh, it's a really important thing to do. Mm. Now that, that's a really great piece of advice. And um, I totally recognize that, you know, keeping that balance feels just really tough, you know. Yeah. And I can imagine for, for you guys as well who are studying right now uh, during, uh, during these times, it's just you're at home all the time and just... You probably watch your lectures from at home yeah. and you study from at home and you don't even have these social interactions that you would normally have during the day when you study together with other people. Um, and I think for all of us, it's kind of a, a great challenge to um, just keep our mental health as well uh, during these times. Um, so definitely don't neglect that. And um Try to force yourself to, you know, write people, get in contact, uh, try to meet each other, try to go out, um, move, mm. do some sports. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's so uh, that's a very valuable piece of advice. So thank you so much for that, um, Igor. Sure. I have yeah actually nothing more to add to our conversation. So I would really like to thank you for your time. And it's been a really, really great pleasure talking to you. Congrats well, on all your success you. with the uh, Belgrade Language School. And, thank uh, you very much. It has you, been a pleasure to be be part of this podcast. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> I wish you a lot of a uh, lot of success with with this whole series. I thank think you. it's going to be amazing for everybody who who listens to this. Yes. Thank you very much, Igor. It was uh, it was great talking to you. All the best with you. Great talking to you. Too. Bye. 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 Bye